You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast. O'Brien, uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Welcome to the point after on WDVE Pittsburgh. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the point after. I'm not Missy Matthews. I'm Mike Pursuta. If you were expecting the starting quarterback to be here tonight, well, I guess you just haven't been paying attention this weekend. But we also have the normal members of the team, Craig Wolfley and the voice of the Steelers, Bill Hillgrove. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Well, we're recovering. <laughs> I, you know, I, what can I say about that performance yesterday uh, without getting myself into much difficulty? Um, you know, you, you got to tackle better. You know, we on the postgame, Mike, we, we kind of went over the, the splash plays and in the run game, uh, the visitors had a 21-yarder by Swift. Igwabuke had 42 yards on a run, and Jefferson a 28-yard touchdown where nobody seemed to want to tackle him. And the Steelers' longest run was 26, and that was by the quarterback. So uh, that might be it in a nutshell, but there are many other elements that uh, we should discuss. Wolf? Oh, you know, the thing I, I was really fired me up, we got Mason the Train Rudolph. <laughs> Did you see the hit he put on the guy? Oh, oh, I loved it. He went down there, dropped the shoulder. Look, you know, um, this is disappointing. There's no doubt. 0-8 is 0-8, and they should have put him away. But the fact of the matter is you are where you are, and it is a reality in the NFL circle of life that if you don't do what you are supposed to do, it'll come back and bite you. And uh, unfortunately... The things did happen. As uh, Billy said, you know, we're talking chunk plays, poor tackling, turnovers, and injuries that all combined to, you know, make a tie uh, possible for the Detroit Lions. Well, here's a little sunshine for you, fellas. You oh, know, yeah. The, the, na- the name of this show is The Point After. 
and it's aptly named because if Ryan Santoso could have made more than one of two point afters, we'd be talking about a loss to the 0 and 8 Lions. Not I a know. Tie and, and, against and, the 0 and 8 Lions. And did you see that the Lions are looking at kickers this week? Yeah, they should have done that Saturday. <laughs> well, you know, he's not Boz, that's for sure. That's for sure. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, of course, uh, this being uh, the 2021 Steelers season, we, of course, have news today, and some of it's good, some of it is not. Uh, we'll give you the bad news first. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, that announcement made by the Steelers today. No word as to whether Fitzpatrick is symptomatic or not. Mike Tomlin had mentioned after the game yesterday that uh, Ben Roethlisberger was experiencing symptoms on uh, Saturday, and that's why he went on the list when he did, and Mason Rudolph was forced into action Sunday. That means that uh, Roethlisberger's got to be asymptomatic before he uh, can complete his uh, multiple tests, uh, multiple negative tests, and then uh, get back into the lineup. Uh, not sure what Fitzpatrick's path is right now. Wolf, uh, I, I wouldn't wish COVID on anybody, but uh, you sound like a guy, if you needed somebody to get multiple negative tests, you'd be just the guy. No question about it, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, you know, here's the thing about it, though. It, it's not fun, but it's nothing to be afraid of. You know, I mean, you go through the, the, the situation, you have it done and, and, and so forth. But um, you just it is what it is. And you, you go because um, I got to tell you something. You know, I lost my sense of smell. I lost my taste, but I didn't lose my appetite. <laughs> How does a thing like that work? <laughs> Oh boy. I refuse to be deterred from eating, you know. <laughs> now, if you were around during the Bill Cower ears, oh, deterred. I know you were. Thank yes. you. There you in, go. In honor of, in honor of coach, we pronounce that word deterred around here. <laughs> him, him being a Hall of Famer and all. Uh the good news, uh according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, MRI on TJ Watts hip and knee negative. Good. And, uh, Excellent. Also According to Ian Rappaport of uh, NFL.com and the NFL Network, Joe Hayden is day-to-day with that foot injury that knocked him out of action early yesterday. So, uh, T.J. Watt, to me, uh, Billy, uh, you you can work around anybody else, but uh, that guy is uh, a game-changer, if not a deal-breaker, in terms of significant time missed. You got a game plan for him, and and, uh, whoever takes his place, that isn't the case. And that's just the reality of it. There's a reason he signed that big contract, and there's a reason he's the highest-paid defensive player at his position. Um, I think um, I think he's going to have a chance to play. Uh, Wolf, you saw the, the the video, and it looked like he what hyperextended. I, it almost looked like a hyperextension. Now I'm not a doctor, and but I like to play one on the radio from time to time. And I just saw a slow motion replay of it, and it almost it looked like it it could have been. A slight hyperextension, but uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I've had one of those that looked like what I saw, and, uh, you know, it kept me out for a week, but I was in training camp, and it was like one of those, well, let's just kind of be safe with it. I could have played, I think, the next week. But certainly I I do know this. you got to be careful with that, Um, especially a young guy who you've got so much invested in. You certainly don't want to be paying large amounts of money for a guy that, you know, he damages himself early and continues to play through the damage rather than getting it rectified. You want that to be healed up. Steelers also uh, announcing today, in addition to the practice squad, uh, cornerback James Morgan uh, signed, and uh, the Steelers have parted ways with 
uh, practice squad nose tackle Isaiah Mack. Morgan is six foot four, two hundred and twenty nine pounds. He is a product of Bowling Green and Florida International. Uh, three years at Bowling Green, uh, one of those is a red shirt, and in two years at FIU, um, he was uh, originally. Uh, a fourth round pick of the Jets in 2020. I don't know if that's a reflection of his potential or the Jets draft capabilities, but uh, (laughs) waved uh, by the Jets on August the 31st of this year, spent some time on Carolina's practice squad. Uh, And now he is joining the Steelers practice squad as uh, you know, quarterbacks are in short supply all of a sudden Uh, in his college career. He completed 57.2% of his passes for 8,600 and 54 yards, 65 TDs, 34 picks. His best year was 2018 when he threw for over 2,700 yards with 26 touchdowns and just seven interceptions for FIU. And uh, at least according to the mugshot they use on profootballreference.com, looks a little bit like a young Aaron Rodgers. Mm. That that ought to work for you, huh? (laughs) Does it get you somewhere, anywhere? You know? I mean, at least get your foot in the door. I mean, you look at the Jets now. With all they've got going on with the white kid and the Zach, what's his name, and you know who's Wilson. who's up? Yeah, Wilson. I mean, it, it's like why you, you got more quarterbacks running through there than you could possibly imagine. Not as many as the Browns had since Tim Couch. <laughs> you know point. what that number finally hit? I looked it up the well, other it, day. Is, is 30. it thirty-one? It, well, maybe 30. it, it might be thirty-one, but it was thirty when I saw it. Because Keenum was a new addition this year, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, and and did he start a game? I think did he. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah okay. Did. Well, then, yeah. The Denver it's thirty-one. Game. Wow. I couldn't remember if he was thirty or thirty. That's a lot of them since nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah, I, I would, would say. say so. And now there seems to be some disenchantment with uh, the starting quarterback in Cleveland. That it hasn't been thirty or thirty-one years since nineteen ninety-nine, right? Is no my math correct on that. No. <laughs> well, let me carry the one here, Mike. <laughs> Takes me a little while. Yeah, I was pretty good at those negative math tests in, uh, in back in my day, math and chemistry and uh, any of that science stuff. But uh, that is neither here nor there. I wanted to bounce a little math off you guys, though, because uh, I was banging this drum this morning and I seem to be on an island. Um, let me just give you the, the context of, uh, of where I'm coming from. You know, the Steelers gave up 229 rushing yards yesterday, and that is uh, an appalling number. Mm. And M- Mike Tomlin was appropriately appalled. He was biting the words off when he was talking to us after the game and talking about the sloppy tackling and all all the things that are attributable to those 229 rushing yards. And if you're a coach or a defensive player, that's, you know, uh, that is an affront to everything you hold dear and sacred, right? You just can't right. have that. And yet... They gave up 306 total net yards in that game. You know what Detroit was averaging coming into the game? 321 total net yards a game. They basically flip-flopped the rushing and the passing. The Lions usually throw for about 228. They threw for 77. They usually rushed about 93. They ran for for 229. But it all worked out the same, and they came in averaging 16.8 points a game, and they scored 16. So my theory is, Hey, the Lions ended up being the Lions. The Steelers just weren't the Steelers, more so on offense than defense. Bill, uh, am I out of my mind or no, am I on to something? No, I think you are. I, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment of what we watched yesterday. And Wolf and I were talking before we went on the air, 
And uh, the disturbing thing is, okay, missed tackles are one thing, but when that pile moves for seven yards, that's really discouraging. You know, they'd bring that extra guy Nelson out there and just say, guess what we're going to do because Goff was not Goff. I mean, he was, he was not feeling well. He was right. taking heat on the sideline, I heard. And uh, yet you're giving up seven yards to the pile. That's not good. No, the biggest problem was when you bring in the Matt Nelson, you got that overloaded side of beef. It's like hanging, you know, a lot of big hunks of meat over there, and you just roll off the line of scrimmage, and they start enveloping guys. You got a guy, DeAndre Swift, who was not even the leading rusher for the Lions. No. Jamal Williams was down, and he was the leading rusher, and this guy just tore it up. And it's unfortunate, but if you want to know what – it would look like to have Zach Banner out there. All you got to do is watch a reel of the Detroit offense yesterday. I mean, it was really, that's what I was looking forward to. I was thinking, come on, this would be a great day in which to uh, get Zach Banner out on the field and have him have a go, you know? And it's just a shame in my mind that you didn't kind of get him out there and get him going because that was an opportunity, I think, to be able to get his feet wet, get into the NFL uh, reps, shall we say, game speed, and, and have at it. But it was, you know, the thing about it was that game plan, it was a very Ben-like game plan. And, and I, you know, kudos to Mason. Mason did a great job. They asked him to throw the ball 50 times. He threw it, and he threw it well. I mean, there was, yeah, there was some ring rust when he skipped one into Ray Ray. There was the one he missed to DJ on the Upstairs, slant route. Yeah, yeah you know, and, it, well, and a couple others. But those were the two most significant ones. Um, and... The fact was, you know, you had the interception. Yeah, okay, that that wasn't a good throw. But everything else, the the young man acquitted himself very well for the first time out of the box uh, since preseason. I was kind of wishing he would have made one more throw, either that touchdown to McLeod in the third quarter or when he skipped it in. The slant to Johnson that you mentioned, yeah, when he just put yeah. way too much, too high, high and away. Yeah, uh, that was the third and three. He might still be running. He might have run into field goal range. He might have run into the end zone. But uh, by the same token, he brought them into uh, at least the fringe of field goal position twice in overtime, and his guys let him down by fumbling the ball. Absolutely, it happened. You know, and I can tell you, someone who has lost a game, <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, it's a horrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. You know, I I can't even begin to express – what it had to feel like to be um, in in the shoes of uh, those two guys yesterday in the overtime, you know, when you got DJ fumbling the ball and you got Firemuth fumbling the ball. And first of all, I got to publicly uh, apologize to Pat because when he dropped the ball just a couple plays before that, I publicly said he'll never do that one again. I jinxed him. I feel so bad. Oh boy! I went and I I, I done jinxed him. That's a bummer, you know. And in the young man, but I will say this. Firemuth and DJ, you know, if they use this right, they will overcome this adversity. These guys are men of character and integrity. Uh, these are guys that are, are, are tough, hard-nosed football players. They'll use this and use it well. It's like um, back in the day when I came back from Seattle after I had a meeting with Raleigh Dodge after I tackled uh, Keith Butler on a screen pass and Franco came back from a 90-yard game-winning touchdown run. He looked at me and said, you know, these kind of plays – how you respond to them will probably go a long ways in determining whether you're a single-digit career guy or a double-digit <laughs> career guy. You know. Well, you made double. <laughs> I made double digits, thankfully, by the grace of God. So, but you know, it it's a tough moment, and I know that those guys got to be feeling bad because I know that feeling 
of letting your team down when you actually when when you when they needed you the most. You know, it's just it's tough. Wolf, I've known you for a long time. I don't think I ever heard that Keith Butler story before. Oh, you, I'm sorry, I brought it you, up. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I mean, does, yeah. does Butts remember it? Do you oh, you see him all the time. I call him Greg Luganis, the diver. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that in the kingdom. We were out there. It was a slip screen. I'm out there, and Butts jumps inside. He says I tackled him. I barely touched him, I tell you. But all I remember was Butts went down, Franco went 90. Uh, the referee hit me in the head with that beanbag. I heard the clung in my helmet and ears, and I could hear Chuck and Raleigh screaming at me from the sidelines as I lay on the ground and over the roar of 80, 60,000, whatever it was, in the kingdom. That's how bad it was. It was a long did trip Butts, back from Seattle. Did Butts jump up and say, hey, that dadgum guy, dadgum tackled me. <laughs> I think that's, I heard, that's a dadgum penalty. <laughs> I heard 45 dadgums before I got up. <laughs> and, and and Butts was also a double-digit guy. He played, what, oh, yeah. 10 years, he, I think? He was time, an excellent yeah. player. He was, he was a great player, man. He was smart, um, and uh, he, he knows how to dive. <laughs> More than that punter from Jack Detroit Fox. does. <laughs> I'm teasing because I did actually did, bring, tackle Butts. Did Miles Killebrew actually touch him? He did, but it was just a brush of the thigh. The guy, he kicked the ball, and then he just swept his leg under him, so he fell, and it looked like, you know, um, he got hit by a truck. When he, 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 I'm telling you what, a breeze would have knocked him over. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a fine performance. Oh, it was. That Oscar was great. winning. You would have thought that guy was playing for Manchester United, the way that guy just no. <laughs> I was concerned for his, his well-being. Yeah. Forget, the, forget the penalty. But, uh, you know, and they, they they overcame that, made him punt again. You know, uh, the Lions got, after that uh, second long touchdown run, there was 12 minutes and nine seconds left in the third quarter. It was a six-point game, and Detroit got four first downs the rest of regulation. Oh, you know, the, the thing that's maddening is you try to understand where these chunk plays are happening. And, I mean, some it's not about schematics. It's not about improper matchups. It's about just getting off and holding the point, getting off ta- blocking, uh, whatever block you're, you are disengaging from that, making the tackle. It's really almost as simple as that in many cases. Now, I understand there's a few things here and there it goes on, but, you know, the point is – you watch them, and it's it's really just about defeating the man over you. And I, if anything, I can say right now it just points to how much they miss Tyson Alo Alo and stuff onto it. You know, I mean, I think uh, uh, Chris Wormley has has put in some yeoman work and so forth. I think Isaiah Loudermilk is a guy on the rise, and I, I would look for him to get more reps so forth. Um, but sincerely, it's Tyson was. You know the value of a guy when you know suddenly he's gone and you see some of the problems that occur in that straight 3-4. And if you ever want to see any better of a nose tackle, it was Saturday night when uh, in crushed velvet, no less, Casey Hampton was there at the Hall of Honor looking sleek and fine. He looked so good. Wait, why didn't we put him in? <laughs> he could have. He could. I bet you we could have gotten some reps off him. One of the great quotes I ever heard, asking, somebody asked him one time, how complicated the defense was. And he said, hey, man, I go left, I go right, or I stay there. It ain't that complicated. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's pure Casey. 
we got a lot more to get to tonight. Uh, we're going to be here until 8 o'clock uh, doing the point after thing and uh, trying to figure out where the Steelers go from here other than to Los Angeles to play the Chargers on Sunday night. With Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley, I'm Mike Pursuta. You are listening to The Point After right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to The Point After on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta, Craig Wolfley, and Bill Hillgrove with you here on The Point After until 8 o'clock tonight on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. I guess you could call this the post-mortem point after because uh, it did feel like a loss yesterday, but it wasn't. Uh, the standings tell us that. The Steelers actually gained ground because mm. the Ravens lost on Thursday night and uh, the Cleveland Browns got hammered by New England. By the way, is is New England playing about as well as anybody right now, at least on the AFC side, Billy? I, I think you're right. Uh, you look at what they've done, and uh, Mac Jones, his upside is that sky is really high for him. Uh, I really think that uh, that's a team you got to reckon with. Uh, good thing uh, the Steelers don't have them on the schedule, but maybe you play them in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be nice? Mike, I, I have a problem uh, with with the Steelers' defense, and, and we've talked about it, but uh, where the game swung yesterday, you're 10-10, okay, and Detroit's going to get the ball because they deferred. They start at their 15-yard line, and – he got runs of 16 yards by Swift, 11 yards by Swift, Igwebuke 14 yards, and then a 42-yard run. I mean, they never threw the ball and took the lead in the game. I have a problem with that. I really do. Uh, I'm I'm with you. You know that Igwebuke. Those <laughs> yeah, were his. Try to say fourth, that fast. Those were his fourth and fifth carries of the season. Yeah. Well, you know, they were they were I mean, down. They don't know who he is in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I my mean, name. how far down were you on your on your uh, board that you set up to do the game? I mean, it's... Yeah, hey, hey uh, fellas, my name is Iggy. It's nice to meet you. Exactly. Give me the so. ball. Yeah. No, it's unfortunate because again, you looked at one of his runs. He squeezed through a, a hole in the in the line that was just barely big enough to to fit a slim body. And there's not a lot of slim bodies in the trenches there. All right, so he hmm. just just barely got through. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's, again, it's all about being in the proper gap, staying in the proper gap, but also defeating the man, disengaging, and making the tackle. And it's as simple as that. And yet, you know, it, it's it, the problem becomes when, you know, it's the Chuck Knoll answer to it. And this Coach Knoll used to drive me crazy at times because he'd say, Are you you having problems with pass blocking? Well, pass protect better. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's not quite that simple, you know, but it's really that simple in many cases. It's about using your technique to the fullest and being able to engage properly and do the right things. And you've got to do that over and over and over again. Was that well, some, was that sometimes it is that simple, Wolf. Yeah. I mean, with Chuck. Yeah. Billy, back me up. Do you remember the uh, John Goodman story? Oh, yes. yes. The defensive end, we took him out of the game. Why did you take him out, coach? He was being blocked. Yes. Yeah, and and that's that's what I wanted to expound on. What what uh, uh, what I'm Wolf acknowledging had to say. that, Mike. I'm acknowledging that. Yeah. Is what you saw yesterday um, reminiscent of the second half of Denver, where the Steelers showed the great ability to get blocked? Well, or or Seattle. They 
you know, they came out there and they, they went after him too. And, you know, it's unfortunate because you look at sometimes they get it together and they, they're in their proper gaps and they're executing properly with their techniques. And they do an excellent job. It wasn't like the it wasn't like yesterday Detroit came in and started running all over the place. It took them several series before, you know, things started to go awry. And it started to go awry after Mason threw the interception that gave him a little bit of life. Mm-hmm. And then Lions said, you know what? Hey, maybe we can play here. Maybe we, we've got an opportunity here. You know, and then they had that, uh, what was it, a 48-yard punt return? 46, I do believe. 46, okay. I, I always need a fact checker when I'm quoting stats. But, uh, you know, the thing about it is that gave them life again. And they sit there and they, they start coming to life on the sidelines because here's the thing about it. When you're an 0-8 team, because I, I have been 1-7 and at the turn, and that is absolute misery. And you just want to put misery in, on somebody else's plate. You want to go somewhere else. Was that 88? Else? Yeah, 88. That was yeah, terrible. I was, I, I was kind of there with you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, it was a, it was a miserable year. I'll tell you how bad it was. Tunch and I were going, we were driving to the airport together, and we started with, uh, you know, the dozens. You know, you kind of like insult each other. Just, I don't know, it was Mm. one of those things. We're in the, and all of a sudden it got serious where we're absolutely chin to chin, and you're ready to throw. I mean, I I was ready, I was ready to swing at my best friend as he was ready to swing at me. A lady walked behind Tunch right in front of me, and all of a sudden she obviously heard us, and we got a little loud. And and uh, she turned. She said, "Harry, look! No wonder they're losing. They're fighting with each other." And it, it was just like one of those. You broke. Yo, you're so embarrassed. You know, you like realize. Okay, and you just walk off. But it was that. That's the kind of year it was. And I understand how the Lions had to be feeling because you just want to. We want somebody else to feel your pain and misery because it's a miserable year. Zero and eight, one and seven. You're pretty darn close there. You know, I get that they sort of let Detroit know, hey, maybe today's the day if you hang in there. But oh, no they question. got it together. You know, it was they they stopped letting them run the ball in the third quarter. And when they forced Detroit to throw it, sack and sack and push them back and negative play. And, boy, that defense, as bad as it was in the second and the early part of the third quarter, they, they really put it on the tee for the offense about three or four times. Uh, and the offense just let it let it sit there. Well, they did, you know. And it, again, um, I really believe that this would have been a thirty, a minimum thirty rush game, thirty five for a Najee. I really thought that this offensive line. You think about it, Mike. You had kind of a lousy showing last week against the the, the shy Bears, right? So what do you want to do? You want a little redemption. So you come out and you've got a kind of a wet day. It's cold. Hey, hogs can run all day in this sort of weather. This is just perfect. You don't want to be putting the ball up in the air and stuff like that. You want to be going forward, mulching guys, throwing guys on the ground, making them do push-ups and, and have a, a little face in the in the mud you put them into, you know? And, and for the most part, you watch on a lot of the blocking schemes, there's some good work done by the guys, even though we lost Trey Turner, even though we lost Kevin Dotson. These guys came off the ball, they're fighting. And I, I got to tell you something. Kendrick Green, for some of his miscues, let me tell you something. He finishes off some pretty dadgum good blocking since we're talking a little bit of uh, Keith Butler style here. And I love his attitude about how he finishes his blocks. Now, he's got to be a little bit cleaner. He's got to stay a little bit lower with his pad level. But when this kid comes off and goes after it, man, you, you want to just you want to put two chin straps on and lock up with him and go with him on a double team because it would be great fun. 
except it would hurt too much now. But I mean, <laughs> in, in terms of what wasn't working when the run defense wasn't working, Billy, you probably heard uh, our interview uh, with Mike Tomlin that our colleague Bob Labriola conducts every week on the pregame show. I did. He he asked Mike Tomlin, "Are you getting what you need from your inside linebackers?" And Tomlin's response was this. Man, I don't know if I'm getting everything I need from anyone. That's a funny question. Ask me that in three months. You know what I mean? We need more. We need more from those guys, but we need more from everyone. I don't know how I can appropriately answer that question. I get what you mean, but no, we absolutely want more. And uh, the reason I'm going there is because it's kind of become open season on Devin Bush because he is not an all pro yet. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys heard, they traded up to get him uh, 10th overall. I uh, thought it was going to be a pretty big deal. I, I'm reluctant to jump on that train, but what I saw out of him yesterday, um, he he was brought here to, to cover tight ends, uh, such as TJ Hawkinson, and he's got to know on that route that he ends up getting called for holding, he's got to know he's got help from Mika Fitzpatrick behind him. Fitzpatrick ends up jumping the route and picks it off but it doesn't count because of holding. That's the thing that makes me pull what's left of my hair out. Uh, Wolf, start with you, and then I want to get Billy's input. Uh, Bush was a highly sought-after player, and when they got Schobert, uh, I was very excited about that. I thought he was a really good player. I'm, I'm with Tom, and they need more from those guys. And I'm, I'm not sure specifically what, but it's got to be something, and it's got to be noticeable, doesn't it? It does indeed, but again, it also points to the lack of Tyson Alu-Alu and, and Stefan to it. That's part of the problem. Part of the equation was with Cam, with those two other guys, that was a nice, tight, keep them clean on the inside type of a, a, a group of guys. Now, having said all that, um, one of the things that Mike Tomlin also talked about with, with uh, Bob Labriola was the fact that he needed more knockback tackles. That means you got to take them back. You can't be falling backwards all the time while making tackles. And that's part of the problem. We saw some rugby scrums, as Billy was talking about earlier, where they're going six, seven, eight, nine yards. And I'm like going, you know, does anybody else not realize this is really not looking good? This is rather, (laughs) you know, I mean, for a defense, that's really a humiliating thing when you get pushed back from the first contact to the last contact, and that guy is on his feet for all, almost 10 yards, um, that's just something that you, you just can't have as a defense. And so for uh, what we have on the inside linebackers, we saw a little bit of that. I saw Devin Bush make a couple of plays. Um, again, he's is it coming along? It's not enough. Mike said it. It's not enough. And that's why I've also been you know in favor of I would like to see a little more Robert Spillane when they get the opportunity also. I, I think consistency is Bush's uh, inadequacy at this point. Um, he does make some good plays, but then there's others where you scratch your head and say not only was he there, but he didn't make the play. Yeah, I mean, he's overrun a couple. And, you know, I, I, I can understand that. Uh, he You know, he was off for a while, but there comes a point in time, and I, I would expect, and just like Mike says, we need to see more. Um, that's what it is to be that highly prized. And when you are highly gifted, the quote-unquote unicorn, as they refer to him, because he has tremendous physical attributes. This guy, if he if he puts it together, is going to be a, a, a terrific player. But right now, we're just not seeing the manifestation of his abilities yet in, in all the, the proper ways. I mean, there's more there is what I mean. 
is he moving Wolf like you would want to see him move, or is he still, uh, you know, shaking off the uh, post-surgery rust? Uh, I don't. Is he know. swimming? Me- is he swimming mentally? Uh, well, here's, I'm reaching, yeah. but I'm, I'm with everybody else. I don't understand why they're not getting more and more often. Yeah, if I most humbly may just offer, um, it looks to me like uh, he's not exactly sure of all his assignments. Because sometimes he ends up a gap or two wide or something. You know, um, I, I think that he's affected a lot again by losing those two big guys that we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, Stefan and Tyson. But, you know, he just, he, he's just not filling the holes where I, I, I seem to remember him doing a lot more of that back a couple of years ago pre knee injury. Now, does it mean that his knee's not all the way back and maybe he's a little bit more tentative on it and he's not, you know, flashing the same? I I don't know. That only he can answer that. Yeah, Billy the ball kept finding him as a rookie, didn't it? And yeah. it just seemed like it seemed like he he was naturally where he needed to be. And now it looks like he's he's working really hard and he's still getting in the wrong spot. Well, I I don't know the defense, so I can't comment on whether uh, he's in the right spot or the wrong spot, but I do know this: uh, they need more from him. Uh, they need, and uh, Tomlin's right; they need more from everybody. Uh, but it's it, it didn't happen yesterday, and you just hope at some point the the light switch goes on and they develop more consistency. Because guess what? That division is still there, if if you want to take it. But and I'm not sure how good Baltimore is. I'm not uh, Cincinnati. I think is pretty good, but the Browns kind of you know brought them back to earth. And like I say, it's there for the taking if everybody gives more, and that's what they need. I think it's a great point because somebody does have to win it. Yeah, (laughs) you know, somebody's going to go to the playoffs. I mean, we were talking about New England a little while ago, and the Chargers. Who knows what direction they're going to go in? Uh, That division is crazy with uh, the Raiders. Um, you got the Buffalo and New England in the East. Uh, there's going to be a lot of wild card contenders, but somebody's got to come out of the North. It's I, I looked it up. Somebody from the North is going to the playoffs. Maybe more than somebody, but definitely somebody. Yeah, and that's that's a carrot that's in front of the Steelers' goat right now. Is to uh, you know they've stacked the wins, uh, and they haven't had the win streak snapped. But you're you're right. Yesterday's tie was very much like a loss. Um, it, it's hard to camouflage it. One of the things that I really was hoping, and again, we we didn't see, but you know, w- there's a lot of eleven personnel. And we got to some multiple tight end, but I, I the more multiple tight end, I, I really like. I mean, the opportunities are there. You know, Fryermuth is just such an exceptional player, and there's so much that can be done in some of the. Some of the uh, offensive route uh, combinations are really like they get uh, they get the six twelve and the Muth next to each other, and one of them runs a vertical route, namely the six twelve, and the other one <laughs> runs underneath, and you've got a really nice combo of a, of tall guy in the middle attacking the, the middle as well as you know Friar Muth running an in pattern there, and and he is again like I said, this guy is going to be an exceptional player, and uh, certainly you know. Yeah, he lost to fumble. Okay, every player goes through ups and downs in their career. Uh, he'll override this one, and it'll be a stepping stone for him to be stronger. But I, I love his trajectory because whether it's blocking, he's all right, he's not a devastating blocker, but he's as we talk about, he's a combative, willing combatant at the blocking point of attack. 
Um, you got Zach Gentry. He's more than a willing combatant. The guy can uh, gets after it pretty pretty darn good. I'm impressed with the young man. Um, even go to 13 personnel where you've got Eric Ebron, and you know what? You can split Ebron out mm-hmm. and and call him what he is. He's, he's he's a tall, big, wide receiver. You know, Harold Carmichael made quite a big living back in the day for the Philly Eagles. I believe he was around six eight. You know, he was a wide receiver. So I, you know, there's there's some things that can be done here, and I just I, I love the fact that Najee went you know a buck five over the century mark, finally pushed him over with just carries. There's more there on, to see. I mean, if you watch some of the blocking schemes, he he is just learning each and every rep that he gets and, as is the offensive line, but there's an inconsistency that occurs when you got two young guys, and I know people are tired of saying, well, you got two rookies out there, but, you know, that's the learning curve of young players, and it's one of these things that you got to accept. When you go into the season, you say, we're starting off. We got a rookie center. We got a rookie left tackle. We got a first-year starter, basically at left guard. Um, you know, here we go, and it's just the nature of the beast. The life cycle or learning cycle of the NFL is unforgiving and can be brutal. But if you ride it out and stick with it, I think you're going to have two fine young guys up front for some years to come. That's a good place to uh, take our final break because when we come back. Uh, I want to continue to explore that offense a little bit and uh, maybe solve some of the problems there because I got some theories. I got a couple ideas. <laughs> Bounce those off you guys and see where those go. Uh, we're going to be here till 8 o'clock tonight, so keep it here with Billy Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to The Point After right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to The Point After on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta, Bill Hillgrove, Craig Wolfley with you until 8 o'clock tonight on the flagship and SNR. We are kicking around what the heck happened yesterday at Heinz Field, 16-16 against the rebuilding since 1957, (laughs) 0-8 Detroit Lions. Okay, let's move on. Let's turn the page. Let's look ahead. No, no, wait a minute. Before you do, can I just quote the late John Majors? He talked about hidden yardage. And it's in, you know, it doesn't show up on necessarily on the play-by-play sheets, uh, but it's there, and it's a factor. Uh, On eight returns, each team had eight returns, kickoff and punt. One team had 193 yards, and the other team had 89 yards. So that's over 100 yards hidden. And in football, the 100-yard game is what it's all about, and that, that impacted the game as well. No oh, doubt absolutely. about it. Tight game, you know, tie game for a long time, late in the second half, three-point game for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Got to be better there. But, Wolf, uh, your point about the multi-tight ends, I'm a 1,000% on board with that. I know Ben Roethlisberger loves his three wide receiver sets, but uh, right now his status is up in the air, and maybe it's the time and place to go with more two tights and maybe even three tights. Uh, one thing that's puzzled me the last couple of weeks is Anthony McFarland didn't get a helmet. And I'm curious as to why not. Uh, I remember in training camp, it was intriguing to see him used in the same personnel group as Najee Harris. And, you know, Harris would be in the backfield. McFarland would be in a slot. Harris would be in a slot. McFarland would be wide right. They could move those guys all over the place. McFarland in particular with his speed factor, and uh, 
how well Matt Canada should know him, you know, from Maryland. I, I thought this guy was going to be a chess piece that they could really uh, kind of inflict their matchup will with periodically, and uh, they don't seem to agree. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, – I'm not saying take carries away from Harris, but I haven't seen a whole lot inspiring other than Najee Harris with the ball in his hand. Maybe a little injection of speed couldn't hurt right about now. Well, I, I, I think that also uh, you have to look at um, – why, why, why Benny Snell Jr. instead of Anthony McFarland Jr.? Uh, Benny Snell does give them something on special teams, and yes, I think does. that's the difference. And if there's a helmet, it, it's going to go. If you know Mike Tomlin, it's going to go to the special teams player. No doubt about it. You know, I, I look at Najee. It's just about increasing his and expanding his role. Because I'll tell you, you saw what he can do when he's got 26 carries. I mean, he went out there and he, he carried that rock over and over. And I think it could have been more with, uh, you know, if they had pressed it a little bit more. Uh, I think more three tight end sets, two tight end sets, whatever you want to do. Uh, Derek Watt came in, um, does a nice job of blocking people. I love the fact that he, he ran that, that little hide route where he comes behind the formation, behind the line, goes out into the flat and uh, drop the ball off to him. It's a nine-yard gain. Um, you know, turn around, give, hand the ball to him, and get the first down instead of throwing it the next or you know, running the, the, the uh, you know, uh, jet sweep and, and an overthrow. I mean, things like that, just if you're going to ground and pound a little, stay with the ground and pound for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and by, by the way, uh, it was nice to see him catch a ball like that uh, because I remember one day in camp when all the tight ends were banged up uh, Derek Watt was the tight end, and he could play that position. Oh yeah, and and you know I I just like to see more of him in the passing game. But uh, again, I don't call the plays. <laughs> True. Yeah, he actually did play a little, you know, briefly. I mean, a handful of snaps, but he played some tight end with the Chargers before the Steelers signed him. And he you know he lines up in the wing or tight end like spots. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for shaking it up a little bit because uh, uh, I, I I think. The offense, I'm not expecting Air Coriel, but it, it, it needs to pick up a little more of the weight, don't you think? Well, in my mind, here's the thing about it, and again, I go back to wouldn't it have been nice if after that Derek Watt catch, it's early in the first quarter, um, you come out and uh, you got second and one. What a perfect time to bring Zach Banner off from the sidelines, have, introduce him, you know, now eligible, number 72, a little roar from the crowd, and then just hand off. And have him get the first down, that being Najee, behind that side, that massive side of the wall. Look, over, you know, using some of those overloading one side with some real beef like that is just what the Lions did. And we saw how f- effective that can be. And we still have the passing game available. I, you know, Mason Rudolph or Ben, whoever's going to be uh, in the lineup, obviously they're, they're still, <laughs> they got no oblique injuries. They're not getting wraps on the sidelines. I mean, you could tell that Jared, uh, that golf was off, you know, that he was not, uh, you know, feeling uh, very good. You could watch him. He was stiff in his delivery and everything. But, you know, for the Steelers, boy, being able to go with some three tight ends, having some screen passes that uh, hit with the tight end or, you know, with Najee, I'd still like to see. Those are more expansions of it rather than the 11 personnel with, uh, you know, the three wide running all different routes and everything. I, I just like a little more power game I think can be had, uh, and especially if Ben doesn't play in L.A. Back to Banner, Wolf. Um, 
the the extra lineman thing is is a possibility, and it's a role he's done before. Uh, didn't they bring him back to start? I know it hasn't worked out that way, but uh, should they be looking to get him in the lineup, or do you see it stabilizing enough right now that hey, leave well enough alone, progress is being made, and uh, you know, err on the side of continuity and consistency. I'm all for the uh, the top five being in there. Look, I think getting Zach out on the field on a second and one gives you time to, you know, Zach to get his, uh, you know, just get kind of settled in, get back into the, you know, what game speed is like. And then, you know, you take it from there. Whenever you need and want to go with the jumbo set, you go with it. But as you progress along here, you're going to start seeing, Are we? do we have uh, some competition at tackle like we were talking about last year? You know, because – if that leads to where it it might that Zach uh, is the better right tackle, then you got to make a decision. Do you go with Chooks uh, over at left tackle, or do you keep the young buck in there? And right now, I don't know exactly how Zach is feeling because we haven't seen Zach other than I think what three special team snaps, right, Billy? Okay, so three st- special team snaps. So we don't really know. That's why I said. What a perfect time to introduce Zach into the lineup, you know, second and one. Just get out there, you know, blow somebody off the ball, off the line of scrimmage, pound them into the ground, what have you, you know, and start to get your feet wet and start to compete for that starting job. Um, That's what I'd be interested to see where he goes. Gut feel, fellas, as we get ready to wrap it up here. Uh, A tie against a winless team, is that – Going to take a little more getting over than normal, or have we seen enough of the Steelers this year working through ups and downs to assume that when they show up uh, for business on Wednesday, it'll be uh, page turned full speed ahead? I think it's going to be all right. But then I tend to have the cup half full. Um, I, I just think that, you know, Tomlin knows how to get the most out of these guys. And uh, I think so far this year, with all of the issues they've dealt with off the field uh, with the COVID thing and the injuries, uh, that he's brought this team to the point, the halfway point, where it's still in contention. So now it's time to move forward. And, and I think this team will do that. See, I'm, I'm similar to Billy, uh, cup half full, half empty, doesn't matter. Drink it and move on. You know, okay. just knock it down, and I, I we step forward. It's, that's what the NFL is all about. There's no, you know, it's like that Yoda saying, you know, there, you either do or you don't do. There is no trying. You know, it's it's just what it is, it, and it's very Chuck-like. You know, he was being blocked, okay, or you catch the ball. I mean, the simplicity of the message is the reality of the truth, you know, that you you simply have to do these things if you want to be in contention. And we saw an offensive line that was moving the ball, was creating uh, a nice fishbowl pocket a lot for Mason, getting the job done. But I just really thought that we needed to run the ball more than we needed to pass the ball. Defensively speaking, we need to get off blocks and make tackles. These are the things that are essential truths. Um, and Yeah, if we I think are... we're all in agreement there, yeah, Wolf. That's uh, it. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and I think they go forward, too, because – the race is too wide open and there's too much uh, yet to achieve. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to shirtless Tom behind the glass for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for finding us. However, and wherever you did for Wolf and Billy, I'm Mike pursuit this has been the point after on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.